This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for coming for us. We thank you that you became flesh and dwelt among us and that your son became the lamb that all the sacrifices had pointed to, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Father, we pray now that as we uh, dig into Psalm 96, that by your spirit, that you would lift up our eyes to see you. We know that we become like what we behold. Help us to behold who you are, as king of the world, as our king. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 96. So we're going to begin a three-week uh, Christmas series uh, today. And Psalms 96, 97, and 98 are psalms that are traditionally associated with this time of year. They are about the, the joy of Christmas. The, these psalms are just absolutely filled with the joy that Jesus brings. Isaac Watts based his great hymn, uh, 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 Joy to the World, on uh, these, these psalms. And so we're going to look at them uh, today and then next week and on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll look at Psalm 98. But today, Psalm 96, King of the World. And let's take a look at what God's Word says about <clears throat> the King. Follow along in, in your copy of, of God's Word. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Twenty years ago at this time, the, the film Titanic was all the rage and people were, were lining up 
20 years ago in, in December of, of 1997 to, to see Titanic, I confess I was one of them. And my, in fact, I think I watched, I saw it twice, probably in the, in the theater. It's, it's a film that, in my opinion, has not aged, frankly, all that well, uh, but it has aged better than the ship that it was named after because the Titanic sunk on its maiden voyage. There were a couple of lines from that film that became famous. One was when the, the star of the film, Leonardo DiCaprio, stood on the, the bow of the Titanic and, and stretched out his arms and, and, and cried out, I'm the king of the world. Another was a line in, in which one of the, the builders of the ship, uh, talking about the, the sturdiness of the Titanic, made the statement, not even God could sink it. But all it took was one iceberg to send that ship and over 1,500 people to the bottom of the Atlantic. It's a great testament to the, the frailty and the fragility of human beings and the things that human beings make. Psalm 96 is about the real king of the world. What do we see here about the the king. First of all, we, we see the king's glory. The king's glory. Let's look at, at, at verse 1. The psalmist says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Now, whenever you see this phrase, and you see it often in the psalms, says to sing to the Lord a new song, it's not necessarily talking about a freshly composed song, although it, it could be. But what it's really talking about when it says sing to the Lord a new song is that our praise each day should be fresh praise to the Lord because we're constantly receiving fresh experiences of his grace. That's why Lamentations 3 says that his mercies are new every morning. And so every morning, every day, we can give God fresh praise because he's giving us fresh mercies from day to day. Of course, this psalm was meant to be sung in, in corporate worship. And so there's a sense that when the psalmists say, let us sing to the Lord a, a new song, it's talking about the quality of our praise. That, that whether it's a new song or an old song, that the way that we sing that song should reflect fresh praise to our God. And that means, obviously, that when we sing to the Lord, that we sing with all of our heart, that we sing with energy, that we sing with enthusiasm because of His worth. That's where the word worship comes from, is from God's worth. And so the way that we sing should, should reflect his worthiness. And you may say, well, you know, I'm not much of a singer. But this is not about you. It's about him. It's about his worth. It's about his honor. And so when we sing to the Lord, listen, we don't want to stand there mute. We don't want to mumble our way through songs of praise to God. We don't want to be lip-syncing. We want to give him fresh praise from our hearts because he is worthy of that. Did he die for your sins? Did he rise from the dead? Is he the king? 
Well, then let your praise reflect that. Let the way that you praise him reflect that. Reflect who he is. It's about him. Sing to the Lord a a new song. And then the second part of verse 1, he says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Now, originally, Psalm 96 was written for Jewish people to be worshiping in the temple in Jerusalem. But we see here, in this phrase, all the earth, God's assignment to Israel. Their assignment was to be a light to the nations, not to hoard the good news about God, but to spread it, to be a light to all the earth, for all the peoples. And of course, as New Covenant believers, that is our assignment as well. We desire for all the peoples of the earth, every tribe and tongue, to worship the Lord for who he is. We want them to come to know him and enjoy his beauty and his love and be able to to give him praise and worship. That's why John Piper says in his book on missions, let the nations be glad, missions exist because worship doesn't. When this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. And so we yearn for all the peoples of the earth to be brought into, as John Piper says, into the white, hot enjoyment of God. That, that all of us would join together, that all people, that praise would resound, joyous praise would resound from every tribe and tongue all across this, this world. But that can't happen without missions. It can't happen unless missionaries go to every tribe and tongue, and they can't go to every tribe and tongue unless they are sent. That's what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is all about. Romans chapter 10 and verses 14 and 15 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? They have to be sent. We are a sending church. That's what the in-gathering at the end of the service is going to be about today. It's about sending people to every other people, every people group on this earth. And we get to be a part of it. The senders are just as much a part of the team as those who go. Verse 2. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Now, do you see here how things shift from vertical in verse 1 to horizontal in verse 2? Verse 1. Sing to the Lord. A new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 2. Tell of his salvation. So our, our vertical praise of God results in a horizontal telling of other people about 
God. Found people find people. When you are truly brought into a relationship with the Lord, where you're praising him with a new song, the result of that is that you care about other people. You care about this message, getting to other people, whether it's the person, your neighbor across the street, your friend sitting across from you this week at Starbucks or a restaurant or at school, or a person thousands of miles away from here. We move from vertical to a horizontal, vertical praise to a horizontal telling of other people or helping, empowering other people to tell others about him because we can't reach them all. That's why we send missionaries. Verse three, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The, 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 the word glory there, the original Hebrew word for that, literally it means heavy. Heavy. In, in a world of shallowness and hype, we have a message of substance, of heaviness, with weight that we are to declare. And, and again, where are we to do that? Where are we to, to declare his glory? Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works where? Among all the peoples. This is the assignment. Going all the way back to Genesis. What does God say to Abraham? He says, in you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed but what happens in the Old Testament when, when Israel fails to be the light to all the nations that they were called to be? Did God's plan stop? No, because God sent forth his son, raised up the Messiah from the Jewish people, just as he promised. And now our assignment in the Great Commission is to go to all the peoples and spread the message of Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, and Lord of the world. Verses four and five. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Idolatry is the worship of made things. But we worship the maker. Of all things. Idolatry is the worship of created things. We worship the Creator. And then verse 6 Splendor and majesty are before Him, strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. You notice here the psalmist here is just piling up words to try to describe the incredible beauty of God splendor, majesty, strength, and beauty. Old Testament scholar Tremper Longman says that he's attempting to express the ineffable. And he says here that strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Now, certainly in the original context of this, the sanctuary partially would have meant the temple in Jerusalem, but as Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner says, of the temple in Jerusalem, its outward strength and beauty were to be outshone by the inward glory of Christ, the true earthly sanctuary. And so one day Jesus was talking with some people and he says to them, 
in John 2, 19 and following, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. See, John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the message of Christmas. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, his sanctuary. He tabernacled among us. He made his sanctuary among us. That we might find refuge, find sanctuary in him. That we might flee to him for our refuge. This past week I I read an email from one of the refugees that some of our very team members from our church have worked with in, in Bangkok. And this particular family is from Pakistan, and they, they, they were fleeing persecution, and so now they find themselves as refugees in Bangkok, and some of the people from our own church have become very close to this family. And just in the past month, uh, they received word from their homeland from Pakistan that a, a 16-year-old boy, one of their, a member of their own family, had been martyred for his faith. And so they had written to some people from our church this week, and I want to read part of what they wrote. Western people can't understand Christian persecution in the Muslim world. Persecuted Christians around the world, we are forgotten by this world, but not by Abba Father as Israel is not forgotten by him. One day we will be free. Pray for the persecuted church in Pakistan and this family of my beloved ones and that God Almighty would open the eyes and heart of the blind church. And they signed it in his refuge. These refugees signed their email in his refuge and then put their their names May we not be a blind church. May God open our eyes to the needs of people around the world. The king's glory. Second, the king's do. The king's do. Verses 7 through 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory. And strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. So in verses one and two, we have a threefold sing to, right? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Here in verses seven and eight, we have this threefold ascribe to. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the the, the peoples. And again, it's not just for Israel. It was written originally for Israel to ascribe these things to the Lord. But God's plan, and we see it here. 
We see it in verse 7, ascribe to the Lord who, oh, families of the peoples, right? That's every tribe and tongue. That's, that's God's plan is that, that the whole world, all the peoples would be joining in praise, ascribing to the Lord glory and strength, ascribing to the Lord the glory due his name. Look at the end of verse 9. Tremble before him, what? All the earth, again, the vision is not for this to be hoarded, but for this to be shared, for, for every tribe and tongue, all the peoples to be joining together in this praise of, of God. He, he mentions in verse 8, the, the courts come into his courts. And originally here, this is talking about the courts of the temple in Jerusalem. The vision is for people from all around the world, every tribe and tongue, to be streaming into these courts and, and worshiping the one true God. Now, by the time of Jesus, that, that missionary vision, that, that missionary assignment that God had given to Israel, it had been lost. And so, at, in the temple complex in Jerusalem, by the time of Jesus, there was something called the court of the Gentiles. It was like the outermost court. And it was where all the people, you know, bought and sell, sold animals and where the money changers operated and things like that. And so the day when Jesus went in to cleanse the, the, the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and so forth, what did Jesus say when he did that? Jesus quoted from Isaiah 56, 7. And he says, is it not written, my house shall be a house of prayer for who? For all peoples. See, Jesus was, was calling them back to the, 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 the missionary vision that God had given them for, from the beginning. And he was saying, by, by having this place, uh, this court of the Gentiles, that is, that is, uh, and, and by having all of this temple complex that is out of bounds for all the peoples, you yourselves have become out of bounds. Because it's become all about you, and it's become an exclusive thing, and it was meant to be an evangelistic thing. God's heart is for every tribe and tongue, all peoples, to give him praise. The king's due. Third, the king's coming. We see this incredible vision here <clears throat> of a new heaven and earth, a restored world in verses 10 through 13. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. What you see here in these verses is a restored world. In Romans 8, we, we read about how the creation now in this fallen world is groaning in the pains of, of childbirth, but one day it will not be so. Jesus is coming again. And, and the world's groaning will be no more. The king is, is coming. And 
he will restore all of creation to the world that he created it to be, the world that he originally intended it to be. No more sin, no more death, no more hatred and war. People will dwell in harmony. People will love God perfectly. They will love one another perfectly. There will be no cancer. There will be no aging, no death. We're going we're gonna to live forever in a renewed heaven and earth with, with glorified, resurrected bodies forever. And the whole creation, the dysfunction that we see even in nature, there will be none of that. It's going to be a whole, the whole world is going to be renewed in the way that it was originally designed to be. You know, from 1508 to 1512, Michelangelo worked on the, the frescoes of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And he, 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 he laid on his back <laughs> as, he, as he painted these incredible biblical scenes on the ceiling of this chapel. And it was, it was glorious. But as the years went by, the, the, the frescoes on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel began to fade with the passage of, of time. And of course, in the 1500s, you couldn't take a picture of them, and so no one, even, no one could remember what they, what they looked like, what all the, the, these incredible colors were. In 1981, two, um, two restorationists uh, built a scaffold, went up to the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, and they, they took just a tiny corner of one of the paintings, and they, they, they took special uh, solution, and, and, and they tried to clean it just to see w w what would happen. And they were amazed because the, the original, they could do it, and, and they could see that the, these original colors could, could, could once again be seen. And they brought in artists and, and experts j just to make sure that they weren't going to damage anything, that they could actually do this. And the conclusion was that they could. They could be cleaned. And, and, and we could see its original glory. It took them about nine years to do it, it twice the amount of time that it took Michelangelo to, to, to paint it. But on December 31st, 1989, it was unveiled, and it looked like this. All of that color. Could we just dim those lights so we could maybe see this a little better? The, the original design, the original beauty of the artist could once again be seen. There's coming a day when, when Jesus comes again. The brokenness, the fallenness of this world is going to be no more. And heaven and earth are going to become one. That the world is going to be as God designed it to be. Until that day, he has given us an assignment. And that is to go to all the world 
and to let them know of the Savior. Let's pray, let's pray together. Father, we look forward to this day when Jesus comes again, but until he comes, we know that we have work to do. And you call us to go. And if we can't go, you call us to send others that can go. And Father, you've called all of us, all of us, all of us to go to our friends and our family members and our neighbors. But we know that there are people groups around the world that, that have no access to the good news of Christ unless missionaries are sent. And they can't go un unless they are sent. And so we thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church family to be a sending church. Father, I thank you for the heart of this church for missions and for the, the many people in years past and, and the pastors and, and all the leaders in our church who, who through, the, through the years, ever since 1827, have, have kept our missionary assignment at the forefront. And so Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity that we have right now to be a part of what you are doing around the world, that, that, that joyous praise to our Savior would resound from every village and town and mega city around the world. Your heart is that all peoples would come to know you. And we want our heart to be in sync with your heart. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless what is about to be given for the peoples, for men and women and boys and girls that, that we, we can't physically reach ourselves, but we can empower others to reach. Use what is given now to have a glorious, eternal impact for Christ. We pray it in his name, amen. So our invitation today is, is going to be different. <clears throat> if you're here today and, and you have questions about a relationship with Christ or you, you wanna be a part of our, our church family, uh, I'm gonna be here, our pastors are gonna be here at the front. We would love to talk with you about that. But, but in today's invitation, I'm calling all of us. I'm calling our whole church uh, to come. And we have boxes here at the front for you to place, place your gift for the Lottie Moon offering. And listen, even if you're going to give online or give at another time, I wanna invite you just to come and to pray at the front. If you're here with your family, uh, come and, 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 and pray with your husband and wife or with your children. It's just, this is an incredible time just to, to remind ourselves of, of what we are a part of as a church family and as individual families. And so right now, we just wanna invite you to come, to give, to pray at the altar as God leads, beginning with our, our first rose. You come as God leads.
hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.